Very simple movie. Inception uses some, oh, there, there, some very familiar movie themes. It is the heist movie. Sort of the classic heist movie, corporate espionage. It, it does, it follows the, you know, the theme of a movie like Ocean's 11, 12, 13, which is not only is it a heist movie, but you got to get this specialist. You know, you got to figure out exactly who you need for, to, to handle the heist. And so you gather all them. It's got the last big job. This is Leonardo DiCaprio's last big job to get, to get home. And then it has the femme fatale. It's, so it's got some very straightforward concepts to it. But then, really, try explaining it to somebody in the beginning about what the movie's about. And it, this, this graphic sort of gives us a sense of that, which is, that it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a corporate espionage thing, but it happens in the, in the dream world. And there's four levels to the dream world, and there are three of subconscious, and the last one is, of course, limbo. And this actually is a graphic that explains all the levels and who's dreaming at what point, and... In the end, none of that matters. The core concept, what makes this movie for me absolutely riveting, is this. Ideas. The ideas that you hold can shape the world. The ideas that you can hold, as Dom Cobb says, they can transform the, the world and they can rewrite the rules. Ideas are our most priceless and most important possession. And the question is, where do they come from? There's a relatively growing field in philosophy called ideation, which is the discussion of where are ideas generated from? Where actually do they, do they come from? Where do my ideas... We don't just one day pop up with an idea. And it's one of the interesting things about Inception is that, you know, Inception used to be a noun. It means the beginning of something. Well, they've turned it into a verb. Inception meaning the planting of the genesis of an idea. And if you watch the movie, you saw them go through, okay, planting an idea is difficult because you have to go back farther and farther. Otherwise, they'll wonder, where did this idea come from? And so, inception. Let me plant the seed, the beginning of the idea that will grow. And that is a truth that hits all of our lives, that ideas the ones that we hold, and the ones that we hold at our core, they times that works. You can simply change behavior. But if you want... And so the question is, what do you really believe? I wonder. I wonder if I asked you to lay down the list of the core things you think are true about just four areas. What do you think is true about me? Not, not me. I don't really want to know what you think about me. The core things you think are true about you, about God, about the world, and about others. What would those things be? If you can figure out what those things are, the core things, the core truths that I hold to be true about what I think about myself, about God, about others, and the world around you. Those four things will shape your entire reality. Could you put them down? And be very careful, because when you start to write them down, what you'll tend to write down is the things you're supposed to write. Particularly, if you've been in the church any length of time, and after all, we are in the Southeast, but if you've been in the church any length of time, and I ask you the question, what do you believe about God? Many of you feel like you ought to put certain answers down. This has absolutely nothing to do with your core beliefs. Your core beliefs are what you actually hold 
when push comes to shove in the midst of life to be what God is like. What is that? In um, John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to some people and he makes this statement. He says, if you become my disciples, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they have some argument about that, which is what often happens when Jesus says something, but it's really not the point. The reason why Jesus can say that there are truths that if you find them and hold on to will make you free is because he would say there are things out there. This, by the way, is the most important thing I'm going to say today. There are things out there that if I grab them and I know what they are, if I can figure out what it is about me that's actually true, then I can become free. Jesus would say there's actually something out there. If I can determine what is true about God and live out of that, then I can live free. If I can determine what's true about others, if I can determine what's true about the world, then I can live free. If I could discover when push comes to shove those things that at the core are actually true and real, then I have the possibility of living the free life. And as we say over and over here again, that is the whole point. It is why so often we push so hard against behavioralism, against simply changing actions. Yes, we want our actions to change. But we push against behavioralism because at core, Jesus gave this message. Y'all... There are some things you hold on to that are false and they need to be let go. And there are things you do not yet hold on to that are true and you need to grab hold of. And if you grab hold of them, you'll get 13% better. So if you grab hold of them, you'll actually be free. It is why the most important battle that you and I fight is the battle for our mind. And when I say mind, I do not mean our intellect. I don't mean academics. You could interchange, for my purposes today, mind with heart and soul. The most important battle we fight is that fight internally about what we believe. You see, now I could now jettison myself back to the 1980s, and when I say the most important battle we fight is the battle for our mind, at that point, we were battling secular humanism. And so because of that, whenever I said the most important battle is the battle for the mind, this was the approach. That's right, and so we've got to figure out five or six things that are theoretically true, and then we need to set a wall around it, and we'll block the world off and all the culture so it doesn't influence us whatsoever. And so I know it's true, theoretically, and I'll protect myself from any influence from the outside, and then my beliefs will be safe. The problem with that is the enemy's not outside. The enemy's within. The battle for your mind, for your heart, for your soul, happens inside. At that place where you determine what you believe to be true. That's where the battle's won and lost. I I don't know if this is true of you. But when push comes to shove, there's a handful of things I want in life. One of the things I want, and I have to be honest with you, swearing would be appropriate now, but I'm going to choose not to. I would like to mess up less in my relationships and in my life. I would. I, you know, <laughs> I think other people would like that too. I would like to 
Have you ever gotten yourself into a corner and wondered how you got there again? You backed away and you, said, you looked up and you go, how did I do this again? Because this isn't what I believe. This isn't true. No, no, it's exactly what you believe. It's just not what you say you believe. You see, if you want to figure out what you really believe, look at where your actions take you. That'll tell you what you really believe because your actions always follow what you believe. If you want to figure out what you believe, figure out, why do I keep getting stuck in this corner? Because something I believe defines my reality. So, back to where I was, which is up here. I would like to mess up less. I think that would be awesome. Because in the end, authentic relationships is really what matters. That's what I'd like. I'd also like to know, when I do mess up, that somebody cares about me. Now, there's some other things I'd like to, but those two things are pretty big. I'd like to mess up less. I'd like to live better alongside of other people. And I'd like somebody to care for me when I don't. This is where what you believe is critically important. In my, I don't have an office, I have a shared part of an office, and I have a credenza there now, and above the credenza, I had a choice to put above it what I'd like. And there are two things above my credenza, and this is one of them. This was done by Joel Kuhn, one of our artists, in the gallery show Urban Broadsheet. It's a quote from a part of the Psalms, and it says, There is no refuge for my soul. soul. There is no refuge remains. No one cares for my soul. It's in the Bible. No refuge remains. No one cares for my soul. Sometimes this is the only truth we have in our head. It holds sway and it is not challenged. You live your life a certain way and you get back into that corner again and you hear the voice screaming in your head, there is no refuge that remains. No one cares for my soul. And that, my friends, will influence everything about how you live your life. False views have just as much power to change your life as true ones do. And so, the battle is to find out those things at core which are true about you, about God, about the world and others, and to live passionately out of those. There's a passage in the Psalms, and Steve mentioned last week, the Psalms are an ancient songbook, essentially. And they have things like that, no refuge remains, and they have people wrestling with questions and trying to find answers in the midst of the relationship with God. And this is one of the Psalms, A guy named David says this, Teach me your ways, O Lord. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. David says, and I would agree, that the pathway to having core beliefs that can transform your life to good is the path of exploration. It's the path of saying, God, I need to know what is true so that I can live out of that aside. One of the dangers of this talk, there's like three or four, one of the dangers of this talk is for y'all to go, yeah, I got to figure out four or five things that are true, and then I'm going to write them down, and I'm going to tell everybody else that these are the things that are true, and that they need to start believing them. This is a dangerous thing. 
Because the pathway to actually discovering core reality is one of humility. See, where, where he starts with is, I don't know. God, show me your ways. Guide me into your truth. Teach me the right ways. In other words, if you want to discover your core beliefs, it begins with this. If you want to discover what true core beliefs are, it begins with this. It begins with saying, God, there's some things that are going to need to be dismantled right now. There are some core beliefs I have that are false, and they need to be dismantled. How do you discover what core beliefs you have that are false? You look at the actions in your life that seem to be inimicable with a healthy life and realize they came from somewhere. Why do you keep backing yourself into a corner? Why do you commit self-sabotage? Why do you get in the same patterns over and over again? Because there's something at core that you believe that's false. The pathway to finding true core beliefs begins with dismantling some things. And every one of us believes some things that are false about us, about God, about others, and about the world. I have an assignment for you. You don't have to do it. It's like, duh, you never have to do it. But I have an assignment for you. I'll remind you at the end. I challenge you to write down on a piece of paper in four areas the core things you believe to be true. What do I believe at core to be true about God? Just two things. Just write two things. What do I believe at core to be true about me? What do I believe to be core to be true about others? And what do I believe to be core true about the world? You see, you got some beliefs. You got a whole hodgepodge of beliefs, as, as I do. Some, and here are some of the beliefs that people hold on to, which completely inform how they live their lives. Some people believe every cloud has a silver lining. I don't so much. If you believe every cloud has a silver lining, it will influence how you live your moments. Some people believe, and maybe you, believe that people are genuinely good. At the heart, everybody is good. There's a good kernel. If you believe that, it will completely influence. Some people believe you better watch your wallet when everybody, anybody tries to be kind to you because you believe in the end that people are trying to get something for themselves all the time. Whatever core you believe will influence how you live your life. What do you believe to be true about God, yourself, others in the world. The trickiest one is what you believe about God because you'll be tempted to write down the Sunday school answers. And what I'd like you to write down is what you actually believe about God. I think there's a few things that I hold very tightly that I believe. And in terms of God, there's three. I think there's a God. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but for me it was. There was a time when I didn't believe there was a God, sincerely, honestly didn't believe there was a God, and then there came a moment where I did, and it wasn't really there came a moment. It was a long process to come to the place where I believed there was a God. Once I did that, I must tell you, that was not necessarily a, a helpful thought at first because I didn't know what he was like. All I knew was that there was a God out there. And every time I question it, I go back, I go back, I go back, and I go, yep, I, I believe that because I can follow it all the way back, and yes, it's a core belief. It holds true. Second thing I hold to be true is that God is good. That was more helpful, by the way, than simply there being a God, was that God was good. 
And every time, again, I go back, I go back, I go back, I go back in my thing. Yeah, and that this is why I believe God is good and it holds true. I believe that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for us. And I go back and it holds true. In the end, my whole view of theology forms out of those three things in the midst of a world which I believe is broken, which is one of my core beliefs. These things influence everything. Some beliefs need to be dismantled. Some need to be built up again. If you are someone who follows Christ and you have believed that God is good, that belief will get challenged as much as any in your life. Because life happens. Some of you have events happen and it made you have that core belief get shaken. Is God really good? If God's really good, then you fill in the blank. Then why did this happen? Why did that happen? And then you start thinking about bigger world events and then you think about hurricanes and tornadoes and, and AIDS and it gets bigger and bigger and then you start to I don't know if I can believe this anymore. This is one of the most critical points of your soul. When a core belief starts to get assailed, which is actually really helpful to hold on to, when a core belief starts to get assailed, there's a couple of things that you can do. One of them is you, you know, the, the lights go off, danger, danger, Will Robinson, you go behind the wall again, protectionism. No, no, that's true. I know that's true. Keep everything out. Shut all those thoughts out. I'm, I'm okay. God is good. If you do that, you'll lose that belief. Because when the questions start to come, the enemy's within, not without if that core concept starts to get challenged, the pathway is the one that's in Psalm 25. All right, God. Seems like no refuge remains. Would you show me your ways? Guide me in your truth. Because this is what I actually wonder. When the thought hits your head, I wonder if there's a God. I wonder if he's actually good. I wonder if this stuff about Jesus is actually true. The danger is putting yourself behind a wall or jettisoning it quickly. The pathway is to actually weigh into that question. That's what all that happens in the Psalms. They weigh into the questions. Because there are certain truths that are so critical that if we lose them, we'll lose our way. I told you I have two paintings above my credenza. That's one. This is the other. <clears throat> this is, surprisingly, not the original Rembrandt <laughs> Return of the Prodigal Son. Doesn't it look cool, though? See, we want this whole this distress covering thing that makes it look like an actual painting. It's a poster. However, that's really not to the point, is it? This is the story of the return of the prodigal son. It is at the heart of Christian theology. The truest truth, the deepest truth of Christianity is this. The prodigal son, he's the one who's kneeling. He's not done good things. He left his dad. He wished him dead. He squandered everything he had. And then he came back. He came back not humble, not full of remorse, 
He came back hoping he'd get some food by serving as one of his dad's servants. That's it. That's the story. He's not a redeeming character at this point. And he comes back thinking, and he's right. I have no right. I have no right to an authentic relationship with my father. None. I have no right to grace. I have no right to acceptance. I have no right. I have squandered everything. I have lived poorly. My actions have estranged me from my father, and there is no way back other than in some vaguely antiseptic acquaintance sort of relationship where he gives me some food. And the father throws his arms around his son and embraces him. And a different truth rises. No refuge remains. No one cares for my soul. That truth could shape your life. This is the opposite. A refuge remains. Somebody cares for my soul. Two things I like in life. I like to mess up less because that affects other people. I like to know somebody cares when I do. The core truth of Christianity is this. There is a truth out there which will set you free. That truth is there is a God who is your refuge. There's a truth, there is a God here who always pursues you. The action of Jesus coming to earth is driven out of a core belief of God, which is that God loves you passionately. And so he pursued you. What you believe will define your reality for good or ill. There are certain beliefs that are so important that if we lose sight of them, our life will skitter sideways. What do you believe? Not what you get taught in Sunday school if you went. What do you believe? About you? Oh, that's a scary one, isn't it? If you had to write down those two things and nobody else was going to look at it, what are you going to put? What do you really believe? Likely, what you write down is not true. It's only superficially true. There are deeper truths. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Why? Because there are deep core truths that are designed to crush condemnation and crush accusation and make you free. Finally, fully, completely free. Seek those things. Four things I want you to write down this week. What do I believe about God? What do I believe about me? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe about others? And then say, God, would you show me your ways? Would you guide me into truth? Would you help me to look at what I actually believe and tear down and dismantle those things which are not true? To build up and reinforce those things that are and to show me truth that hadn't even crossed my radar yet because God is there and he is good and he has said there is truth that you hold on to that will make you free. And that's all he wants for you. Let's pray.
Lord, would you lead us this morning?